Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line by embracing behavioral economics. And now, here are your hosts, world-renowned thought leader on customer experience, Colin Shaw, and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. So, Ryan, you were chatting to me the other day about an experience that you've recently had. Do you want to tell the listeners about it? Sure. So this was a, a kind of a, a consulting training um, engagement that I had. I was I was teaching uh, an organization about some uh, behavioral economic stuff, and uh, this was a, a a brand. I don't want to use their name, but they're they're in the consumer product space, and they've been around for a long time. Um, kind of a successful legacy brand um, that had been going through some decline for a little while. And what was interesting to me is, is talking to their people, great people, um, super passionate about, about the brand. And they had just reams of data going back decades or longer, just study after study after study, showing that their product was objectively, hands down, better. Uh, it just it worked better for the, the primary function that this uh, product was supposed to, to do. Um, better than anything else on the market and had been for forever. And they were so frustrated. <laughs> they were so frustrated that their market share was declining and that, that sales were, were down because their product was so much better. And they just could not wrap their heads around why customer, they didn't use these terms, but you know, why were customers so stupid that they, they couldn't recognize it? And I thought that that, led in well to what you and I decided we were going to talk about today, uh, which is why is it that that organizations sometimes just don't understand uh, their customers and their customers' perspectives? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you know, unfortunately, I, I really think that, and we've talked a bit about this with some loyalty and stuff like that, you know, there, there's a difference between uh, inertia and just, you know, customer habits yeah. and buying things, you know, on a regular basis and just because they do. Uh, and, you know, whether the, uh, and I don't know in, in your case, but, um, you know, the, the danger is, is that organizations just don't really understand why their customers are buying things. And let me just say this today. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So they may have got reams of data and, you know, but is that data still relevant? Uh, that is, was, you know, their customer exactly base still it. relevant? Yeah, yeah. That, that was that was exactly the problem. Um, the objectively, their their product was better at doing its job, um, but uh, that ultimately wasn't what was driving purchase decisions among uh, customers. Uh, they were deciding based on some some other different metrics, and the the you know the central kind of phenomenon, the problem that we'll we'll talk about, um, it's something psychologists call uh, egocentrism bias. Um, and the, the lay term for it is just, it's difficulty getting out of your own head. Um, it's hard to unknow stuff that we already know, um, as managers. It's hard for us to, um, really uh, take the perspective of, of, uh, our customers because we're not our customers. Um, and, and we bring our own perspective with it, with us. And it's, it's hard for us to pretend like we, we don't have that perspective that this, this brand couldn't get out of their own data. Um, and so when they were trying to look at things from their customer's perspective, it was like looking at things from the perspective of an alien, because how could their customers not understand and appreciate uh, the stuff that they knew to be true? 
So this does this tie in then with um, and we've done another podcast on this on confirmation bias. Yeah, I think it does. Right. So um, uh, confirmation bias would would maybe be another form of egocentrism bias uh, in that in both cases, um, I, I'm I have my own perspective and I want to just continue in that. I think egocentrism bias is more our inability to get away from our own perspective and maybe confirmation biases are not wanting to get away from our own. So there's maybe a little bit of difference there, but at the end of the day, you're in the same place where you just, you can't get outside of your own head uh, and see things from somebody else's point of view. So the good news is that they at least had the sense to call you in, i.e. somebody from the outside to start to, you know, look at things from a different perspective. You know, I, I think that that's one of the major benefits of consultants is just having that outside perspective um, of not being so steeped in the culture and the research in the background. Sometimes a, a healthy dose of ignorance can really provide some some valuable insights because it gives a different perspective. I'm sure you've experienced that as well, um, having done consulting for several years now. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that, um, I think that uh, the, the advantage of bringing in a consultant is they can look at things from a different perspective, as you've just saying. I think the other advantage of bringing in a consultant is they can say things that, yeah. that are, that may be internally, um, problematic. Yep. Uh, and, you know, um, um, you know, to do uh, all to do with sort of getting around the politics and everything else. So they can say things that, that other people in the organization can't say, um, which I, I, I again, I, I think, uh, I think helps. So where does this, where does the whole subject around? So I guess what we're talking about, if we're talking about, you know, understanding customers, um, again, um, for people that listen to the podcast uh, regularly will know, you know, we, we typically talk about sort of the rational side of things, which is, you know, all the, I don't know, the product features and the delivery and all that type of stuff, um, which businesses have been working on for ages. But then there's this emotional component and the, you know, empathy, you know, truly understanding empathy. So what is, what is, Technically, what does empathy mean and how does it manifest itself? Yeah, so empathy is generally defined as uh, feeling or at least understanding the the emotional state of someone else. So sympathy is where we just feel sorry for someone. um, And then empathy is where we actually feel some part of what they're feeling. So some kind of resonance or consonance with, with them from an emotional standpoint. Um, And and that can be hard. I mean, we've, we've talked about, the difficulty of even just understanding others from a rational perspective. Um, so if we look at just, just at these, you know, more objective, rational criteria, you know, how are people responding to price? How are they responding to um, delivery time and those kinds of things? Even that is difficult trying to take somebody else's perspective. When you look at the, the emotional or the intuitive side, oftentimes we don't understand ourselves. And so if we're really trying to take somebody else's perspective, it's almost like we're two steps removed now. We not only need to understand somebody else's perspective, we need to now understand somebody's emotional and intuitive perspective, which they probably don't even understand. It's really a a difficult thing to do and not something usually that organizations will successfully accidentally slip their way into. I think you need to be more deliberative and have processes in place in order to do that. 
We're so pleased that you're listening to this episode of The Intuitive Customer. As a listener, we want to offer you a free download of Colin's ebook, Unlocking the Hidden Customer Experience. Take advantage of this free offer being made available only to listeners of this podcast. Do it now. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast and follow the link for the free book. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. If you're from one social uh, social group and, uh, you know, trying to understand another social group, you know, you, 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 uh, it's difficult to do that, isn't it? Because very. You, you're... Your your background is is very different. What you what you value is very different, and therefore understanding how somebody may feel at that point must be must be very different. Yeah, I mean, try talking to Colin about soccer. It's insane. <laughs> you have a lot of you have in this case you have a lot of sympathy. <laughs> exactly. Because I support Luton Town football club. <laughs> Although I hasten to add, we're near the top of the league this year, and we may get promoted. So hey, there you go. That yeah. that then means you start at the bottom of the next league up, right? That... Correct. But yeah. the, so, the point is, is that we're going up, not going so, down. Soccer just seems to be all pain to me. Looking at it from a distance, like it just it seems to be just all suffering. Yeah. Yes, you're you're being very empathetic towards me. And and I, well, I'm a Cleveland right. Browns fan, so we've talked about that before. Yeah. There's yeah. real empathy there. Um, yeah, I mean, so in terms of what, you know, what can can we do about it? It's hard. Um, some organizations um, really work hard to force, especially their their managers um, and, and some of the kind of strategic decision makers, force them to experience some of the same things that their customers do. So, um, you know, uh, Harley Davidson for a long time, I don't know if they still do this, but for a long time they would require all of their top managements to go out on these multi-day motorcycle rides with customers. So yep. you go out and you experience the road as your customers do and you, you know, really, really talk to them. Not, not in a focus group, you know, not, not in a, an interview in an office. You're out there on the road for two or three days with these guys and, and men and women and really find out what's um, important to them and also observe them in that context. Uh, at one anecdote, they found that there were, these dedicated Harley owners who would go to check into a hotel and they'd go in and check in and drop their bags off. And before they would do anything for themselves, they would take some towels out of the bathroom and, and uh, wet one down and they'd go in and they'd clean their bike off before they washed their face or, or got a drink or didn't, they took care of their bike first. And that provided some real empathetic insights to into what people valued about the brand and what people really connected with um, that you wouldn't necessarily get from surveys or focus groups or some other thing. So is there a way that you can try to experience what your customer is experiencing? Yeah, I know that Harley Davidson talk about the fact that they don't sell, they don't sell bikes. They sell the ability for a 40 year old accountant to drive into a small town and scare people. Yeah, <laughs> that's what they're selling. That's catharsis, um, right? Yeah, yeah, very much so. But know, what's, right. what's your um, advice? Well, so uh, I, I think for me, you're going absolutely down the right the right track. I, I Disney do the same. Um, so Disney, everybody has to go and work in a in a Disney park for a week yeah. um, to to make sure that they stay close to customers. Uh, in England, there's a um, a sandwich sort of high end sandwich chain called Pret a Manger. Um, who provide a really good experience. 
They everybody in their head office is buddied with one of the stores um, to um, um, you know to keep that sort of uh, connection going there, and they go and work in in the store. So, and certainly one of the things that we would do um, at, at the beginning of any engagement is we would we do what we call a customer mirror, which mm-hmm. is again just walking the experience. So you know, there's nothing like getting out and seeing what really is 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 happening to understand how customers are are, are feeling. So you know, I would encourage uh, any customer experience professional listening to this podcast, you know, to go and spend time in the call center to try to set up a program where you can connect the senior management um, to the customer. Um, another example would be, you know, on customer complaints, and we, we've we've done a, um, a podcast on customer complaints really recently. Um, on on customer complaints, get senior managers to deal with the customer complaint. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because that, you know, anything you can do to effectively bring the customer, you know, front and center, so people can see them, and they can see the passion. Uh, and the problems that 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 they're, that they're causing, um, you know, the, the main issues for me is that when when you know organisations don't understand their customers, um, when it's full of what I would call deep staff. Um, again, in my personal background, um, you know, you would you would have senior managers, and again, a telltelling sign. You know, how often do your senior managers spend time with customers? Do they do they not see them at all? Which is too many uh, organisations that are like that, yeah. or do they see them a lot? Um, because I don't see how you can be empathetic and understand your customers truly, unless you're interacting with them. Um, and 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 you know, classic classic thing of uh, walking in their in their shoes. Yeah, yeah. There there's um, a, a private hospital chain uh, called Cancer Treatment Centers of America, and they um, uh, score very, very well on customer experience uh, metrics. And, and their uh, patients, their customers are, are extremely loyal, and, and, and um, yeah, they, have, they do a very good job with a very, very fraught and difficult um, uh, and painful, obviously, uh, course of treatment so this is a, a rough area to be in and yet they, they do very well on that and part of the reason is that they are so focused on trying to break down this uh, wall that stands between um, people and empathy for their customers for their patients so one of the things that they do for example is they will bring in patients current patients and, and recent recently discharged patients and have them talk directly to the board. So they'll bring in patients into the board meeting and um, have them talk to the, the board. And um, there was somebody um, who from another company who found out about this and was talking to this uh, employee there and was like, oh, well, you know, that's that's really great. So how do you screen those patients to, you know, to make sure that they um, don't tell the board anything crazy? And, and the person said, no, that's, you're missing that's the, the point. point. <laughs> you, you, you don't screen the customers. You, you want to allow yeah. them access to people with the power to make change. And so if something is, is not going right and they're having a bad experience or, or something could be better, um, you know, you, you want the boss's boss's boss to know about that 
so that they can enact change. And so, you know, they'll they'll pull people out of the hallways, as I understand it, um, you know, or, or roll them in from their their treatment rooms and and bring them up to the boardroom or or bring the board down to talk to them. Um, so they can get that unfettered access directly to the very top of the organization. Uh, it's an extreme example and, and one that I, I love um, because I think they're going to get good information that way. Now, they may also get some weird information in that way. And then it'll be up to them to figure out what to do with all that information. But um, better to have it than to not. The Intuitive Customer is being brought to you by Beyond Philosophy. Your frontline teams should be trained on how they can practically influence customer decision using some of the psychological techniques discussed in these podcasts. To understand Beyond Philosophy's unique approach to the training of frontline teams, just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash employee training. I agree. Another one of our clients, of um, we did some speed dating with them. Um, not, not, um, not trying to set them with, uh, with members of the opposite sex, uh, but effectively to get something like 12 customers in, um, mm. and you get 12 of the board in and they all spend three minutes with the different customers. And then, you know, you shuttle around and you spend another three minutes with another customers. It's a great way of, uh, of, uh, of getting them to, in, in, to do that in a rapid situation. I, I think going back to the question, why don't organizations understand their customers? I think a lot of it is about culture as well. Mm. Um, the, the culture is what I would call inside out. So in other words, they are focusing on what's good for them. They're not yeah. focusing on what's good for the customer. Yeah. And, and therefore, you know, uh, to be honest with you, um, you know, what's good for the customer is, is not irrelevant. Um, but you know, it, it lacks some relevance. And yeah. particularly if you're in a monopoly situation, particularly going back to the top of the top of the, 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 the show where you were talking about an organization that's, you know, got a really good product. Yeah. The danger is, is that you get complacent. Um, mm-hmm. and you think you know more about the customer than you actually do. And you yeah. think that the customer is going to be there all the time. Hey, it's a bit like, um, have you ever read that book? Really good book. If you haven't read it, um, uh, who moved my cheese? Yeah. Yeah. I'm familiar yeah. With it. Uh, um, and you know, talking about change and you, you think of the blockbusters of this world. You think of the Kodaks of this world, um, circuit cities of this world who thought that their customer base was going to be there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, as competition increases, if you don't understand um, your customers, you're going to really going to going to lose out on things. Well, one other area, Ryan, that I think is uh, sort of ties in with here and then and then we'll bring it to a close. Um, but I know we've talked in the past about personas. So, mm-hmm. you know, a good way of of understanding your customers and then being able to articulate them easily within uh, within the organization is is personas so what, what's your what's your take on customer personas yeah so i'm i'm a, a big big believer in uh segmentation um you know we, we talk a lot about uh, reference points what are your customers expectations what are their emotional states um to a certain extent everybody's different and so everybody's experienced different things if we treat all of our customers or all of our potential customers as just one monolithic block, um, you know, it's going to be impossible to get close to them. 
So can we group them in ways that, that allow us to get closer? Um, and personas to me are, um, are a way of efficiently communicating what's important about those segments. So, um, personas as, as I've used them, um, in the past, it, it, you essentially create a fictional character who's a prototype of that customer segment. And so, you know, it may be hard for me to understand this, um, uh, output from this statistical model that describes this customer segment, um, and how they answered all these 200 different survey questions. But, you know, if I can create a character that's like, oh, this is, you know, John and he's, you know, roughly this age and he, you know, has these hobbies and, and likes to shop in this way and has a preference for these things, you know, I, I can start to wrap my head around that and, and I can more efficiently try to identify customers when I um, encounter them and try to see, oh, is this more of a John or more of a, a Susan um, and um, and try to, to, to get closer to what they might actually like um, and treat them efficiently. Uh, is that is that how you've used them in the past? Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, I think the, the key for me is that the segmentation is not done on just or not just done on, you know, either product sets of what the person's buying. But, but I, I, I prefer behavioral segmentation on what yeah. the customer's doing. So yep. you could therefore have a 60 year old and a 20 year old in the same group. The so good important. thing about the personas for me is just that is it's from a communications perspective and going back to the subject of this podcast you know how do you get the organizations to understand the customers it's a great way of going you know here's ryan he's you know this age group in fact maybe maybe we should maybe we should finish this podcast ryan with each of us giving of uh, the persona um you what what persona how would you describe yourself uh, if you were a persona <laughs> gosh um i mean it would depend on the category to a certain extent. Um, it depends on what you're selling because I think uh, aspects of my persona that be relevant to you are going to be different if you're trying to sell me, um, you know, a computer than if you're trying to sell me uh, life insurance, for example. Um, uh, but I'd, in terms of what drives most of my behavior, I uh, father of a lot of small kids and so um, kind of family oriented, uh, spend a lot of time partying hard at home and going to bed early. Uh, and so a lot of my consumer choices are driven by those kinds of um, perspectives. I, I tend to like uh, unusual or offbeat uh, things. And so I think if you, if you were to develop a persona around those characteristics um, and disseminate that to a large group of employees in a, a phone bank or, or um, in a sales organization, you know, they'd, they'd have a much better chance of selling me based on that, you know, six line description than they would coming at me cold. Uh, and I think that's that's your, your larger point. But I want to hear what your persona is, uh, Colin. I would say smart, intelligent, good looking. Um, and if you went on that persona, you'd never find me. <laughs> So, oh, no, one I of would, us doesn't understand personas. Let's start over. Um, <laughs> I would say, I would say, big picture but practical. Uh, likes um, um, uh, family man, um, but has a streak of madness because he supports Luton Town Football Club. Um, <laughs> I, an English person living in America and having to translate things all the time. 
um, uh, and, and, and talking about the difference between chalk and cheese uh, and then Americans going, what's he talking about? I don't understand. Um, which for those of you that are interested means there's a difference between sort of two opposite ends of each other, something completely different to each other. In England, we would say that's the difference between chalk and cheese. And I say that to some clients and they go, I don't know what you're talking about. But there you go. Um, your, so. your persona is like four different kinds of crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're right there, mate. <laughs> Good. But All right. Well, people I'm... know how to sell you chalk and or cheese better. Knowing so, about yeah, it. just don't sell them together because they don't, don't sell them at the same time. I've, I've tried it. Unless you have a bit of lettuce. Take away from today's lesson. <laughs> don't sell both chalk and cheese at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. Good. So thanks very much, everybody. I hope this has been interesting for you. Um, if you want to go to beyondphilosophy.com and, and uh, drop us a line telling us what you think, um, doing a review on whichever uh, place that you get your podcast from, that would be great. Uh, always interested in hearing suggestions of what we should be doing in the future. So yeah, this is, you know, this is early days for Colin and I in, in doing this. And so uh, even feedback around, um, Oh, you know, we, we liked that particular episode or that format, or we'd love to see you do more of this, or here's a problem we're facing at work. Uh, we'd love to hear any of that and, and would be happy to happy to accommodate. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Thanks a lot, everyone. This has been the intuitive customer, with Colin Shaw and professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast. And we'll talk with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.